0: well good morning warehouse church it is so good to be with you you know i was thinking as we were singing that last song uh, i don't know if you thought about just how big and gigantic our god is the god that created the universe and everything in between is so gigantic so big so huge so large and yet he knows every single one of our needs is that not the most amazing God ever? He knows your needs. He knows exactly what it is that's on your heart. He knows what you struggle with. He knows what you're dying to tell him. He, knows, he leans in. And I love this about God, this picture that he leans in when we speak out to him, when we cry out to him, when we share our needs with him, he leans in and he listens and he wants to hear from us. That's the God that we worship Every single Sunday. It's so good to have you all with us this morning. And, uh, and we have, I, I was thinking about this this week, we have such an amazing church. I mean, it is such an amazing church, and it is just so exciting for me to see transformation happening in the lives of people. Like, I had someone call me yesterday from Florida. I haven't talked to them in years. Their, their, their boys were in my youth group many, many, many years ago. And one of their sons is getting married, and they were just reconnecting. And, and, uh, and, and they, uh, they said, the first question they asked is, so how's your church? And my face lit up, and I'm like, my church is awesome! Like, I love my church. I love Warehouse Church. I love the things that are going on there. I love the transformation that's taking place. And, and one of our values here, one of the things that, that we value the most is, is that we celebrate stories, right? Like, we say that we're going to celebrate stories. We're going to celebrate God's big story and the story that he continues to write in our lives. And I love Wednesday nights. I love our small group. And I love the chance that we get. Because every, every Wednesday night we have story time. And, uh, and no, we don't break out a book, and a children's book. But we have this time where every one of us gets to share our story. And I have enjoyed so much sitting in our group and listening to the men in my group share their story, share what God is writing in their life, the story that God's writing in their life. And, and I love that we're reminded every week uh, as, as they share their story that God's not finished writing our story, right? God's not finished writing your story. And here's the deal. Your story and my story is an amazing story and it has an awesome ending, and so I love that we share our stories every Wednesday night. And so tonight we're uh, in part three of our five part conversation that we're calling hashtag struggles. Everybody say struggles. struggles. We all have struggles, right? We all have things that we're wrestling with. And we're talking about how do we follow Jesus. In this selfie centered culture that we live in, or this selfie centered world. And before we jump into today's message, I wanna just give you kind of a sneak peek into next week. And next week, we're gonna talk about compassion. And next week, we're gonna see how and why social media and technology is causing people to care less about other people. And, and which I think, as followers of Jesus, that this is totally absurd and totally uh, unacceptable because this is not uh, the thing that Jesus has for us, that God calls you and I to something better. But that's next week. We'll talk about that next week. Today, we're going to talk about authenticity. We're going to talk, being, talk about being genuine, being real, which happens to be another one of our core values, and we're talking about being genuine in this selfie-centered world that we live in, and, and I love that this is another one of our core values that we talk about and we say that we're going to live real lives, and we say, in other words, we say that we are going to be honest about who we are so that God can transform our lives, that when we get real with who we are, when we get honest about who we are, that is when we and when, when we prime ourselves or we position ourselves in such a way that God can begin to transform our lives. And it's really hard. It's hard to be real these days. It's hard to be authentic these days because we live in this selfie-centered world and we live in this world where we're constantly filtering our lives. We're constantly trying to be somebody that we're not for the approval of others. Now, the idea of a selfie is a relatively uh, new phenomenon that has kind of taken the world by storm in the past uh, few years. As a matter of fact, uh, I did some research this week, and in 2021, there was an average, an average, of 93 million selfies taken a day. Think about that, 93 million selfies taken a day. And, and it said in the research, it said millennials have spent 38 hours a year taking selfies. That if you added up all the time that they were spending on doing selfies, it would average out to about 38 hours. And that there's no shortage. If you Google selfie, and I did, there's no shortage of blogs and articles and videos on how to take The perfect selfie. There is even a National Selfie Day, y'all. Like, there's National Donut Day. I'm all about that one. There's National Taco Day. I'm good with that one. There's National Grandparents Day. But National Selfie Day. And I know y'all are, like, dying to know when it is. And, And to save you from Googling it on your phone, it's June 21st of 2022. is National Selfie Day. Now, if I'm being honest, and I thought about this, if I'm being honest, I'm being real, and I want to be, my generation, when I was growing up, we would have never thought to turn the camera on ourselves, right? Like, we would have never taken that old school camera with the Kodak thing that you had to, like, wind the film and fit the little thing. We would have never thought to turn that camera on ourselves. It's just not something that we would do or didn't, we didn't do it. And actually, uh, when I was growing up, we hated getting our picture taken, right? Like when it was my birthday, the worst time of my birthday was picture time. When my mom would break out the camera, she'd say, okay, take a picture. I'd hide under the table because I hated getting my picture taken. Thanksgiving. So we have a, a, a tradition in my family at Thanksgiving. We go to the farm uh, every year. It's a, it's a place where my wife, where she, it's like her homestead, it's where she grew up. And we go to the farm and we have Thanksgiving by the creek. But at the end of every Thanksgiving, it's picture time. And we all gather around and uh, take a picture. And it, it, it's, it's hilarious and comical in one way. But I hate it because I hate still to this day getting my picture taken. The worst day for me at school during the year, you know what day it was? Picture day, picture day right? Like when I grew up and I, it was picture day, they handed out combs and you had to like comb your hair, and they didn't have fancy backgrounds. Like it was just you and like a gray background, and you had to get your picture taken. And and you had to wait weeks until you got to see what that picture looked like. Like you didn't even get an instant look at it, like, hey, you wanna take it again? No, I'm good, or no, I wanna take it again. No, there was no filters. It was like, this was your picture, and then six weeks later, you got to see what it looked like. Now, we live in this selfie-obsessed world and we, we take pictures of ourselves all the time now. And then what do we do? Once we take the picture, we have to filter it, right? And, and we, we'll filter. You don't even have to go to another app anymore, because Facebook, you can edit your picture right there. Instagram, before you can even post it, you got to go through the series of steps to get the right filter and pick the one you want. You can change the color of your hair. You can make it black and white. You can make it look old-timey. You can uh, soften it. You can brighten it. You can sharpen the edges. You can make it look like a cartoon. You can do all kinds of things uh, on and on and on about filters. And, and you can edit a picture. You can even remove your double chin, right? Or some of you triple chins. You can remove those. And, and if you've got a zit, like that one that's right in the middle of your forehead, guess what? You could, they got something for that too. You can take your little paintbrush and you can just swipe it away. And that zit's gone forever. And we filter our lives. That's what we do. And we show people, this is the filtered me that I want you to see. Like, I don't want you to see the real me. I want you to see the filtered me. And, and here's the deal too. We're taking pictures. We're taking selfies everywhere. Like I see people taking selfies in the gym, but not just in the gym. In the gym bathroom, like in the locker room, taking pictures. You get flexing your muscles, taking a picture in the gym locker room. You're taking pictures in the bathroom. You're taking pictures on the trail in the airport at, at class on the airplane at work and dinner. On a, you're taking pictures everywhere. And we've just kind of like gone selfie crazy. If we're really honest. And so we're living in this selfie centered world. We're taking pictures of ourselves and we're putting these filters on. And and the heart behind today's message is this. And I want you to hear this that the more filtered, listen, the more filtered our lives become, the more we show others the me that we want them to see, the more difficult it is to be authentic. The more we show people their filtered pictures, the more we show people who we think they want to see, the more difficult it is for us to be real. You see, we edit and we tweak and we filter and then we send it out there so the rest of the world can affirm us, so the rest of the world can like us and like who we are showing them uh, who we are. And last week we talked about three different ways that technology is uh, impacting our relationships and I thought of another one this week. Another way that technology is changing relationships is people... People are starting to fear and avoid unfiltered communication. Like people are starting not just not to want to do it, but they're afraid to have face-to-face conversations because you might see the real them. For example, uh, we are so used to being able to edit what we say in our text messages and filter what we show in in our social media posts that if we don't have that luxury, a lot of us are very uncomfortable about having a conversation in real time. In fact, there are a lot of people that are creating these online personalities. Uh, look who I am. Like if you see on Facebook now and Instagram these things called reels and, uh, and people are, are making videos and they've, they've taken on this different personality and they're like, look at who I am. But in reality, their true selves are very different than the person that they portray on these reels to get followers and to uh, to become influencers. And they're showing you a fake version of themselves, trying to get you to believe that's who they really are. Trying to get you to believe that's who they really are. And now people today are very uncomfortable being the real them. They're very uncomfortable in a conversation that they cannot control. For example, back when I was growing up, uh, the phone would ring. So when I was like 12, 11, 12 years old, here's what I asked for for Christmas. You know what I asked for for Christmas? I asked for an extension cord for the phone because we didn't have wireless phones back then. I asked for an extension cord so I could plug the phone in in the kitchen, and I had this long 50-foot cable that would go to my bedroom so I could talk on the phone in my bedroom. And that's what I wanted for Christmas. But when the phone rang, we didn't have caller ID. And so when the phone rang, you know how you had to figure out who was on the other end? You answered it, right. You had actually had to answer the phone. And then you had to talk to the person on the other end. And you didn't know what was the conversation was going to be about. You didn't know what they were going to say. You didn't know what they might ask. You didn't know what direction the conversation was going. And so we learned as a kid, I learned how to have unfiltered conversation or communication. And today, though, you have the blessing or maybe it's the luxury or even a curse of being able to do what? see who's calling right like that little caller id pops up and you say oh it's pastor rick calling and you hit the ignore button right and you send me to voicemail and then when you send me to voicemail as soon as the little notification goes that you have a voicemail you listen to it like you still have the phone in your hand waiting for the voicemail you listen to the voicemail and then you're like hmm i better respond but how do you respond text message right like you're like i'll just send him a text Hey, Pastor Rick, I noticed I missed your call. Sorry about that. And you text message. And why do we do that? We do that because then we have control of the conversation. And because we haven't learned to have these unfiltered conversations, and so we want to stay in control. And you don't have to talk and and, and, know, and you know exactly where the conversation is going because you're controlling it with the text message. And today, many people are so used to being in control of the conversation, that to be out of control is completely unsettling, it's uncomfortable, it's awkward. And the more filtered, here's the deal, the more filtered our lives are, the more difficult it is to be authentic. Just want you to think about that, the more filtered our lives is, the harder it is for us to be real. And the truth is, this isn't just a modern day problem. Like this isn't something new, this has been something that's been going on since the very beginning of time. So, if you have your Bibles today, I want us to go to 2 Corinthians with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And so, 2 Corinthians, it's New Testament. It's a little bit uh, in the middle of the New Testament. And it's a letter that Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul, wrote to the church in Corinth. And, uh, and Paul, in, in this section of scripture, he's referring back to an Old Testament story uh, from Exodus chapter 34. And so, he's telling the church at Corinth about a thing that happened way back in the Old Testament. And, and he's talking actually about Moses. And Paul's referencing Moses when he ascended to the top of Mount Sinai. And if you remember that, when when Moses did that, he received the Ten Commandments, right? And uh, from God, and after 40 days and 40 nights with God, spending time face-to-face with God, uh, Moses comes down from the mountain. And he's carrying the tablets with him, not one of these things. He's carrying like stone tablets with him that have the Ten Commandments on them. And the Bible says that when he's coming down the mountain, as he gets to the people, his face is glowing, like, because he spent 40 days and 40 nights in the presence of God, like, his face is radiating. It's glowing. I mean, people are like, man, hey, did you notice something different about Moses' face? Yeah, it's, like, awfully bright. It's glowing. It's weird. It's awkward. But he spent 40 days and 40 nights with God. And so he's got the glory of God on his face. His face is, is, is glowing. And he and, and says, and so Moses, it says, Moses put on a veil. And you would think that Moses would put on the veil to protect the people from seeing the glory of God, but that's not what happened. Like if you read, you find out it says that first Moses came down from the mountain. He talked to the people, the Israelites. He shared with them what he experienced on the mountain. He shared the 10 commandments with them. It says then after he talked to them, then later on, he put on this veil. He put a veil over his face. And so Paul is implying that Moses didn't put the veil on his face to protect people from seeing the glory of God, but he put the veil on his face because Moses noticed that the glory of God was starting to fade away in his life, and he was ashamed of it. And so he puts on a filter It's kind of like when I I did student ministry for 15 plus years, and I've been on so many mission trips. I've lost count how many mission trips I've been on, I've taken students on, and we've gone all across uh, the United States, and we've gone all across the Caribbean, and we've even gone into Europe, and, and every trip's the same. Every trip's the same. People, Students get so fired up, so excited about serving God. They're like, I can't wait to get home. I'm going to change the world when I get home. This is awesome. I can do this in my own backyard. I am so pumped. I'm so excited. And their faces are like glowing with the glory of God. But then when they get home, and they're not around the same people, and their real life happens, and people, they start, serving or start living for the approval of others, guess what happens? That, that, that shine that excitement disappears, and we begin to put on our filters, and we begin to put on our veils. That's exactly what happened. And so Moses put on a veil over his face, he put a filter over his face so that they would not see the truth, that the glory of God was starting to fade away. And so let's look at Second Corinthians 3 uh, verses 13 and 18. Uh, and so here's what happened. And, and Paul is showing the Corinthians how much greater The new covenant was than the old covenant. What the new thing that Jesus came to do is from the old covenant. And here's what he says in verse 13. He says, we're not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. That Moses put on his filter, he put on his veil to cover the fact that the glory of God was fading away. And just as the glory of God was fading from his face, so the Old Testament, the old covenant." was fading away or passing away. And then he says this in verse 14 and 15. He says, but their minds, their minds were made dull for to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. Now what is he saying here? He's basically saying whenever the old covenant is read in synagogues, the unbelieving Jewish people cannot see the truth that Messiah has come, that Jesus is here. They can't see the truth because they are blinded from seeing and experiencing the truth. And later on, Paul says in the next chapter, in chapter 4, verse 4, he says that we have that same problem. He says, the God of this age, meaning our enemy, meaning Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. And So the veil was covering their eyes from seeing the truth of who Christ is in this new covenant. But Paul keeps going in verse 16. He says this, but... And I love that. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, when, everyone, and when anyone gives their lives to Jesus, when anyone turns or surrenders their life to Jesus, the veil, he says, is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. freedom. There is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate, think about... Ponder on the Lord's glory are being what? Transformed into his image with the ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. You see, that's what unveiled living looks like. That when we uh, surrender our lives to Jesus, he takes the veil away from us, that there's freedom given to us, and we begin to become transformed into the very image of God. And the problem for most of us, though, is we're stuck wearing a veil. Like, we're living the filtered life. We've learned and we've become very skilled at how to filter our lives, and not just on social media, but how to filter our lives in the daily and show other people the me that we want them to see rather than the me that really exists. And Paul implies that, that this is what Moses was doing He's like, I'm covering the fact that the glory of the Lord is fading away in my life. And this is the challenge for us. Because here's the deal. We tend to filter our lives. We tend to put out there what we think other people want to see. We tend to be posers rather than real people. And Paul implies, uh, just as the fact that this is what Moses was doing, uh, and he's covering the fact that the, the glory is fading away. And when we're feeling insecure, and when we don't feel good about ourselves, and when we're hiding this hidden sin in our lives and we're not confessing it, our first response by nature is we tend to hide. And we tend to put on our filter. We tend to put on our veils. And we filter our lives. You can go all the way back to the Garden of Eden to see this. Like this again, not anything new. When Adam and Eve sinned against God, guess what they did? They filtered their lives. They didn't say, they didn't walk up to God when they heard him walking through the Garden of Eden. They didn't say, God, we got to let you know we made a mistake. We're so sorry. Please forgive us. I shouldn't, we shouldn't have done that. We shouldn't have eaten the fruit. That's not what they did. The Bible says that they were so ashamed, and because they were ashamed, that they because they were naked and afraid, they hid. It says they hid from God, and when they were hiding, they put on fig leaves, a picture of a veil or a filter, and, and I, don't, I don't and they said I don't want God to see the real me. And we do the same thing, and Paul reminds us of this really important fact. He says in the scripture, he says, "Who can take the veil away?" Jesus. Jesus is the only one that can take the veil away. And, and, and so I wonder today, as we think about this, what veils, what filters might you be wearing? What image are you trying to portray in your life that maybe you're not? For example, you may portray yourself as, hey, I'm a spiritual guy, or hey, I'm a spiritual girl. And here's my YouVersion Bible verse that I posted. And here, here's me showing me doing a, uh, my devotion. I've got my Bible and my cup of coffee, and I'm posting it. Look what I did today. I'm spiritual guy. And you show everyone uh, one thing. While the truth is that there's this ongoing secret sin in your life that you still haven't confessed to anyone, and it haunts you, and it's eating your lunch, and it's making you crazy, but you're like, I can't show people the real me, so here's spiritual guy. Or maybe, maybe that's not you. Maybe it's like you might be with it mom, right? I'm with it mom. Hey, look, here's my picture of my baked goods that I made for my kids, and here's me at soccer with my kids. And here's my kids with their cool first day of school sign. Look at me. I'm with it, mom. When in reality, you're overwhelmed. In reality, you're exhausted. In reality, you're overworked. And you feel like like you have no life and you have no friends. And you feel like you're not a very good mother. And you'll never live up to the expectations. But you don't want anyone else to see it. So here's with it, mom. Or maybe you're like dad at the park, right? Right? Like you're like dad at the park and you're posting, here's my kid, here's me with my kids uh, at the park. Look, I'm pushing my kid on a swing. I'm a good dad. And when reality, you're like, I have failed as a dad because I'm always short with my kids. I never have time for them. I'm never engaged with them. I'm always working too much. And, And when I am with them, well, I'm really not engaged with them because my mind is always on something else like work or the next football game or whatever. But hey, here's the dad I want you to see. Or maybe you're like the, the awesome couple, and, and you post your obligatory anniversary pictures, and you're like, here I am with my honey, best friends forever. I love my smoochy-poochy-poo. Listen, if you call your husband or your wife smoochy-poochy-poo, you need therapy, okay? But you're posting the pictures, Right? But when the truth is your marriage is at the very edge of being at the end. Like you're struggling day to day. You're you're wishing that someone would come in and be a part help you uh, fix your marriage. But you don't want anyone else to know that. You don't want anyone else to see that. So you post your obligatory anniversary picture on social media. You see we live our lives to create this social media moment. All because we want to show this life That we think people want to see. So you might say, okay, Pastor Rick, does that mean that you're always honest and you show everything on social media? And I would say, yes, I am always honest when I post on social media, but no, I'm not going to show you everything on social media, right? For example, if I post on Saturday night, if I post something like, hey, I'm super excited about tomorrow's message. I can't wait. That's true. I'm super excited about tomorrow's message. I can't wait. Uh, and, and, And I'm excited about that. But you know what? There's Saturday nights where I don't post that. And I don't post it because sometimes it's not true. Sometimes I'm thinking, you know what? I'm just exhausted. The week's been crazy. I've had a lot of ministry. A lot of things have gone wrong. I'm tired. Or maybe I'm like, I'm in a bad mood and I'm really not feeling it. Or maybe I'm like, I don't know this mess, if this message makes sense. Like, is anyone gonna understand it? I don't even know what I'm gonna say or it's probably gonna be horrible. And I'm not, but I don't post that stuff. So the bottom line is everything that we say on social media, well, it should be true. But everything true does not have to be shared on social media. Can I get an amen for that? Everything that's true does not have to be shared on social media. And let me just say, some of the people in this room, you're over-sharers, right? Like some of you are overachievers in the area of sharing your stuff on social media. Sometimes we say too much and everybody doesn't want to know all of your feelings about everybody all the time we don't. It's like, a, like this post. This is a real post that a real woman shared with her real pastor in real time on Facebook. And she wrote this. She wrote, pray for my husband. He's the biggest jerk who ever lived. I can't stand him. I don't want to be married to him another day. Unless the Lord Jesus himself redeems his soul, I have no place in my heart for this man. Please pray for my husband. And I'd be like, Darn straight I'm praying for your husband because he's married to you, right? Like who would pray, who would share that? Who would share that? You see, social media is not always the best place for you to remove your veil. But if you don't remove your veil face to face, here's what I know that I know that I know to be true. If we don't become real with other people, we're always gonna be longing for something more. Like if we don't learn to remove the veil and be real with others face to face in our relationships, we're always going to be longing for something more. So we put on the veil and we post something and we say, did you like it? Did you like it? Did you like my post? Are you affirming me by liking it? Are you affirming me? How many likes did I get? And we do that. And yet at the end of the day, we still come up feeling empty Empty because we're not being totally real with anybody and vulnerable in the way that God designed us and created us to be. And the veil continues to stay on. Look at verse 15 again. It says, even to this day when Moses is red, what happens? Even to this day when Moses is red, here's what it says happens. A veil, a veil covers their hearts. A veil covers their hearts. And I don't want you to miss this fact that a veil first covers the face. But eventually, the veil covers the heart. And, and I'd write that down. A veil first covers the face, but it eventually covers the heart. What starts out as a superficial covering, what starts out as just a simple filter, becomes a spiritual condition. And now today, we have a generation or two or three that has been so conditioned to filtering everything that many don't know how to be real and how to open up. Many of us don't know how to be real and have real-life relationships with real-life people face-to-face. And nobody knows the real us because we're terrified that if we show them the real us, that nobody will like us. I mean, that's deep down what a lot of us are struggling with. If I show him the real me, he might not like me. If I show her the real me, she might not like me and this isn't just a 20 something year old thing this is happening for all of us it's a problem that many of us face here like you just think about it someone asks you how you're doing i'm good i'm great life is awesome i have a great life when down deep down inside you're like life sucks right now but we won't tell people that we're like i'm good life is good How's your marriage? Oh, it's wonderful. It's great. I have the best marriage ever. How are you doing with your relationship with God? Oh, it's going great. Like, did you see my post yesterday? I posted a picture of my coffee cup and my Bible. Did you see that? Life's going good. And the reality is there are so many parts of us that we're not willing to share. There's so many places in our lives and spaces in our hearts that we won't share with people because we're afraid that they won't like us. And so we got this veil on. We're playing the part. What do you call that? Well, Jesus called it hypocrisy. He really did. He called it hypocrisy. The veil that covers the face eventually covers the heart. And some of us are so used to showing the fake self, the filtered self, that we don't even know who the real person is anymore. And suddenly we're just living for likes. We're just living for likes. Do you like me? Do you like the me I'm showing you? Do you like this picture? Did you like that filter? Did you like that caption? Do you like my shirt? Do you, do you, like my, my, uh, uh, do you think my kids are good enough? Do you think that, that my marriage is perfect? Do you like me? Do you like me? And we're living for likes while we're longing for love. And because until we show who we really are, here's the deal. Until we are fully known, we're always going to be longing for something more. And that's why one of the core values here at Warehouse Church is that we're going to be real. We're going to live real lives because we want to experience the transformation that Jesus has for us. So how do we do that? Well, I could give you some really practical advice today. I could say, you know what? Try and be yourself. I could do that. I could say, don't use a filter anymore. Or don't use a filter every time. Or I could say, try not to care what other people think. But, but I really, uh, and that would be good advice, but I really want to give you some godly advice today. And here's the godly advice I would give you, that only Jesus can remove the veil. (laughs) Only Jesus can remove the veil. Look at verse 16 again. It says, but whenever, but whenever anyone who, anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Whenever you turn to the Lord, And there are some of you that are here for this very moment today because you've been turning to everyone and anything else for affirmation. You've been turning to... Facebook relationships, you've been turned into drugs, you've been turned into pornography, you've been turned into fake relationships, you've been turned into everything else just for affirmation, just for someone to like you, and you still don't have what you're looking for, but when you turn to Jesus, Paul said, when you turn to Jesus, you don't have to remove the veil, you don't have to worry about it because He does it for you. When you turn to the Lord, the veil is taken away, and suddenly... Suddenly, you're not living to get the approval of others, but instead, you're living to get approval from him. You're approving not even to get approval from him. You're living from his approval, from his love. You're no longer living for the approval of others, but you are living from the approval of God. You realize this. In the moment that you say yes to Jesus, you realize that Jesus is, is all that you need. Hashtag Jesus is enough. Actually, it probably should be hashtag Jesus is more than enough. Because you don't need approval any longer. You don't need approval from anyone else because you've got the approval from the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one that created the universe, has stamped uh, his stamp of approval on your life. You finally figured out that your identity is not in how many followers you have, but your identity is in who you are following. And you are following the Lord Jesus. Therefore, because of that, you have no need for a filter. You have no need for a veil. And the veil is taken away. And then it says in verse 17, Paul doesn't stop there. He says, where the Spirit of the Lord is... Guess what? There's freedom. Everybody say freedom. freedom. Say it like you mean it. Freedom. You see, freedom is the gift that we get from saying yes to Jesus. Freedom from not being good enough. Freedom from the guilt and shame that you've been carrying forever. Freedom from not measuring up. Freedom from the sin that you have been hiding all of these years. You gain freedom when you say yes. To Jesus, there is freedom. You're no longer chained to sin. You're no longer chained to the unforgiveness that you've been holding on to. You're no longer chained to the guilt that you've been struggling with. There's freedom in Jesus. And Paul doesn't stop there. He says in verse 18, and when we contemplate, when we think about, when we surrender to the Lord's glory, because it's not about me, because we exist to give him glory when we contemplate the Lord's glory he says not only do we get freedom but we're transformed and not into the person that we think that we ought to be but we're transformed into the very image of God that our lives are different that we're like Moses and we got this glow about us that when you show up to work people are like I wonder what's different about Josh he's always got like this glow about him That's the glory of God. That's God transforming his life. You look at uh, anyone in here, it's the same. That when you give your life to Jesus, when you surrender, when when you receive the freedom that comes from him, when you contemplate God's glory, he begins to transform your life and the glory of God shows on your face. And people are like, there's something different about Olivia. There's something different about Beth. There's something different about, uh, about Karen. There's something different about, and you put in the name. Their face is always glowing. There's something different because they've been transformed into the image of God. So how do we get these unveiled faces, church? Paul said it. We turn to Jesus. We turn to Jesus. You want a real life? You want an authentic life? You're tired of living the filtered life? You're tired of wearing a veil? You're tired of trying to get the approval of other people? You want to live that kind of life? Paul says, turn to Jesus. And the minute you turn to Jesus, the veil, the filter is removed and you are set free and you are transformed into the image of Jesus, not for the approval of others, but for the glory of God because we are not called to elevate ourselves, but we are called to die to ourselves and follow Jesus and to give him glory in everything that we do. That's how we follow Jesus. In a selfie-centered world, we turn to him. We turn away from the world and we turn towards Jesus. And he removes the veil removes the veil and he gives you freedom. Man, so many of us are walking around and we are holding on to baggage, years of shame and guilt and unforgiveness. And Paul's like, you don't have to live chained to that stuff. You can have freedom and you can have it right now if you'll just turn Let him take the veil, let him give you freedom and let let him transform you into the very image of God what would it be like church if we all showed up to work tomorrow with glowing faces radiating the glory of God that's the Christian life People should be asking us, what's wrong with you? Like, have you been hanging out in the sun too long? Like, your face is like, just glowing. Why is that? And we should be able to respond, because I figured it out. I turned away from this junk towards Jesus, and he set me free. He can set you free too, free from the addiction free from the struggles, free from the shame, free from the guilt, free from the pornography, free from all that unforgiveness that you've been holding on to. He can do it for you. You can have a glowing face too, just like me. You can do it. So this morning, church, let me just ask you, have you turned towards Jesus? Have you turned to Jesus? Has he taken away the veil? Has he set you free? Have you turned to Jesus? And if you haven't, why not make today the day? Like it's simple. You just say, God, I recognize that I have been living my life without you. But today I want to turn towards you. And I want to ask you to be my Lord and my Savior right now. God, would you take the veil away? God, would you unleash, unlo, or loosen these chains and give me freedom, so that Your glory would shine in my life, transform me. It's just pray it. Just ask God. Come and be the Lord and Savior of my life. Maybe you're here today, and you're like, you know what, Pastor Rick? I've been living the filtered life. I recognize that I'm trying to be someone I'm not. Maybe today is just the day you say, but not not anymore. Like I wanna be real. I wanna be real. I wanna be set free from that filtered life. Just ask God. Ask God to come and be and show you how. And he will set you free. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. God, we thank you that you sent Jesus to come and to die on a cross so that we could have a relationship with you. Father, we thank you that that in this moment, Lord, that in this moment, you want to remove the veils from every one of us. God, we don't have to live a filtered life. We don't have to live a life wishing we were somebody else because, Lord, your word says that we were fearfully and wonderfully made by you. You made us to be who we are. Lord, when we surrender our lives to you, we begin to live and begin to become transformed in the very image that you designed us to be. Father, I pray that if there's someone in this room that's never said yes to you, that today would be the day that they would just pray and ask, ask you to be a part of their lives. Lord, for those of us that struggle with the filters in our lives, God, you would begin to uh, un, uh, begin to. Take those chains, those bonds that hold us to that and give us freedom so that we can be the real us to everyone around us. And God, we thank you that there's a church called Warehouse Church that doesn't expect us to be somebody that we're not. There's a church in Prestonsburg that says, hey, I don't care who you are. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. We love you. We accept you. We want you to know that there's a God that loves you and accepts you and loves you enough not to leave you where you are, but to transform you into who he has always designed you to be. Thank you for that kind of church, Lord. So God, would you just work in our hearts as we continue to worship you? God, would you reveal to us the things that Maybe there's some things that we need to, to adjust so that we can be real with one another. I love you, Lord. God, thank you for loving us in the many ways that you do. In your name we pray, amen. So we sing our closing song, just want to invite you to come forward. If you'd like to uh, spend time in prayer uh, up here, if you'd like someone to pray with you, I'm happy to do so. Just come and tap me. i am be I'm more than welcome to pray with you. Uh, let's stand and worship together.